Baxter gets dragged, about to be disintegrated, and then toward the end, there's another one where death, like basically, death is the stakes now. Welcome to the TMNT Shellcast, the best Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles podcast. I am Andrew and your host today. I'm joined by my two real life brothers. Chris, how are you doing today? What's going on? That's quite the slogan you just gave the show. The best, the best Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shellcast. Can you can you podcast. dispute it? No, I can't. I've only ever All listened right. to ours. All right, perfect. John, how are you doing? Yes, this is real. My real life brother number two, John is doing. John's doing great today. Is John? This is a question. Is John brother one for Andrew or brother two? In order, one. he's the second brother, but he's the first brother Andrew ever had. Yeah, but the reason I introduced John second is because John had the misfortune of spinning the pizza time wheel last week. Pizza time. So what have you prepared for us today, John? This is true. Today I've prepared for you the chocolate chip and caramel fudge pizza. Tilt a little bit. Looks like it's looking like Starburst almost. Yeah. Did not yeah. Starburst, it's caramel <clears throat> fudge. Good luck chewing this pizza. I've had a handful of the caramel fudge already, so I know that's good. I know all the individual components of this are good. Combined though is where we will be shocked. Here it goes. I bet it's going to be overwhelmingly sweet. He's going to be chewing it forever. Yeah. Hmm. Does it work? No. He's just going to taste like caramel. It's going to be overpowering everything. Hmm. John gives the worst pizza reviews he just eats it the whole time Ooh. And this it's like <laughs> this well, the one sauce of my is are... a little bit good the sauce is a little bit sweet and then when you get into the caramel it gets even sweeter and it's not that enjoyable this would be much Too better sweet. if it was on a sugar cookie as a dessert pizza but do you even taste the chocolate chips or are they just washed out now, chocolate chips are kind of not there at all. The caramel comes through at the end. I'm going to give it like a 3 out of 10. Do you that think your your decision to use caramel squares instead of caramel fudge played a factor? I, Chris, well, isn't that technically fudge? fudge? I'm just, well, listen, I'm asking a question. I'm not, I'm just it's asking a question. exactly what I think it should be, just a square of caramel. I think it's so just no, caramel think flavored it fudge is what caramel fudge is, but nope. John's never been one for strict rules. Follow, following the rules. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? Three out of ten? Yeah, that was weird. Is that the lowest we've had? Liver, I think I gave it a zero or a one. Uh, um, liver was the lowest. Liver I think was it, one. Two or one. Liver was one. Pepperoni ice cream was two. Anchovies was three. This, oh man. I'm, I gotta give it a three and a half because it was slightly better than the anchovies. Really? 
Tune in later to find out who is on the chopping block this week after our first official poll. Now I'm just going to take the caramel off and eat it. Perfect. So now that we've wrapped up the Pizza Time Eat segment, we will continue our review of the 1987 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon series. And we continue today with Season 2, Episode 7, entitled Enter the Fly. And just before we hop into it, we are officially halfway done with Season 2. How does that make you guys feel? Okay. I thought you was going to go. I So far, season two is blowing season one out of the water, which is to be expected because they had to set the show up. But I'm, episode to episode, I'm loving the season. Yeah, it's good. I think there's new villains. Bebop and Rocksteady are back in this episode, as we'll get into. But yeah, overall, I feel like the it's good. Doing a good job. Good writing. Yeah, and the character dynamics, like the play back and forth between Shredder and Baxter is now like they've hit their stride. I feel like. Yeah. 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 I agree. And I think I was, I was going to look up the writers. I meant to do this last night, but to see uh, for some of these more recent episodes, which I think are probably the best, like these last two have been the two best. If uh, it's a different group of writers or if it's the same writers and just they're evolving the story a little bit more. So I'll check on that and report back next week. Um, but we've got an action-packed episode for you. So we just did Pizza Time. We've got Turtle Tech. We've got Buy and Sell. We've got Villain Power Ranking, Turtleisms, uh, Twitter poll results. And then, of course, we'll end the show with Spinning the Pizza Time Wheel. But this episode begins with the Turtles patrolling over New York City in the Turtle Blimp, which has received a whole lot of screen time in the last handful of episodes here. Um, so the Turtles... All four of them are flying in the turtle blimp. They spot Treader and Baxter fidgeting with a new gadget on top of one of the World Trade Center towers. And right off the bat, we get our first turtle tech gadget of the episode, which is the force field generator. So the force field generator is what Baxter and Treader were fidgeting with. Uh, ultimately, what they're trying to do is generate a force field between the two towers, but the gadget short circuits before um, it's able to generate that because Baxter forgets to reverse the polarity of the neutron flow, which sounds completely made up. Yeah. Uh, so basically he just, he had to flip the batteries the other way. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the turtle blimp at the start, I feel like the turtles have thrown discretion out the window. Like they're literally just flying around a giant advertisement for their services as they're looking for Shredder. At the tallest building in New York yeah. City. Yeah. And also, I know we've said it a couple times. It's just the most unsafe vehicle that exists. Yeah. No there's not belts. enough. There's one seat for the person flying. The other guys are sitting on the wings. It's not no even evenly belts. balanced because two of them have to cram onto one. It's just dangerous. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. But so it seems to be more of a Zeppelin as because it has a structured... John, we oh, a little harken back to the first yeah. uh, trivia. I was going to correct you, but well done. Yeah, because it has a more structured... Rigid frame, frame. Rather than just a blimp, yeah. It is a good-looking Zeppelin slash blimp, however. Um, but speaking of 
throwbacks. We're going to throw back Turtle Tech. It's been uh, quite a few episodes since we've done a Turtle Tech. So I'll just remind the listeners and, and uh, you guys as well. So Turtle Tech, we use it as a sort of trivia, um, historical trivia segment. So what I'm going to do throughout this episode, there's five Turtle Tech appearances. And I'll be asking uh, a couple questions uh, around the gadgets and then um, maybe dive into the history a little bit with John and Chris. So with the force field generator, did that technology exist at the time of the episode air date, which was November 12th, 1988. And I will shout out to Russell uh, Westbrook because he was born on that exact date. I'm going to say no, it did not exist. Yeah, that's what, that was my first guess was no. I'm not even sure it exists today. And you would be correct, both of you. So no, force field generator does not exist. Um, and I'll give a little background here. So there's four known fundamental forces of nature. We've got gravity. Everybody knows gravity. Um, electromagnetism. And then the strong and weak nuclear forces. So... Of those four, electromagnetism would be the most promising to generate a force field because gravity is too weak and the nuclear forces don't have enough range because it's, it's working on an atomic scale. So basically what would have to happen for this to exist is you would have to blast the inbound object. So let's say it's a bullet. You'd have to blast it with positrons to destroy electrons and create a positively charged object and then you could hit it with a massive electromagnetic field to repel it <laughs> so you follow that's, me on that yeah that's kind of how i just went on a kick and rewatched a bunch of the matrix movies a couple weeks ago that's kind of how the matrix ships work they send emp pulses out or emps out hmm. to deactivate robots or machines emps definitely exist yeah yeah, it's a similar, I guess it's a similar theory. Yeah, similar. So um, because a force field generator does not currently exist, um, I'm going to ask about electromagnetism. So we'll do a little trivia on that. What year was electromagnetism discovered or invented? However you want to frame it. Because we, we've had electricity, we had magnetism. Somebody tied those two together. So what year was that first discovered Jody can go first oh gosh um i don't even know when electricity was discovered to be honest yeah. i have a rough idea well yeah when was ben ben franklin invented electricity so with this kite and his key right yeah he, he also invented it. kites <laughs> yeah and keys. um hmm, i'm for some reason 1812 is sticking out in my head so that's something to go with the all right that's war. Way too early because that's a little bit after the Revolutionary War. I was going to say 1893. 1820. John oh, gets what? Yeah. Wow. So <clears throat> it was during an, a lecture presentation on April 21st, 1820. Uh, Hans Christian Orsted. Notice that when he turned on uh, electric current by connecting the wire to both ends of a battery, a compass needle held nearby deflected away from the magnetic north where it normally points. So 
he had been studying it. Um, yeah. It was kind of an accident as he was doing a lecture and he noticed it, but nobody in the audience um, or that he was lecturing to did. So that is really um, what they consider the the uh, genesis of electromagnetism as we know it today. 1820. Oh, look at me. I didn't think I was thinking light bulbs, not batteries. That's on me. It's, it's kind of crazy, though. 200 years. We're looking at right. Yeah, 200 years. Wow. Quite a while. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, a lot has happened in recent history. There's so much human history that we're like just doing nothing. Yeah, it's so that it's accelerated. What's the principle? It's like technology Almost doubles lot. every. What, yeah, I, I thought, growth is, yeah, yeah. I heard every. I pace it with the um, SD card capacity where like every four years it doubles or something like that yeah like doubles in memory space and halves yeah. in size or something like that it's every uh, roughly every 18 months the amount of storage doubles or the cost of storage is halved yeah more slow perfect beautiful also a shame yeah, they couldn't get a generator up have over you guys heard of Cole's law this is a joke yeah, is can it? we can we mute John? <laughs> Shredded cabbage and vinegar. <clears throat> so the force field generates short circuits, uh, and Shredder and Baxter run away, and the turtles decide not to pursue them because they're look looks like they're running down the stairs. It'd be very easy to cut them off at the bottom of the World Trade Center, but instead they uh, return to the lair to interrupt uh, a meditating splinter. So similar to last episode, I've uh, consolidated the recap. So it makes a little bit more sense from a, a timeline standpoint. So this will be the turtles experience. And then I'll couple it uh, a little bit later here with uh, Shredder's experience. And then it all gets tied back together. So hopefully that's one logical to the listeners. Yeah, one, one thing. So we learned that Baxter has ruined months of hard work by not flipping the neutrons or whatever. So we get a little bit of a timeline where it's been at least a couple months since he's worked on something or he's been working on it. So like the span of season two is over a couple of months, which I thought was interesting just given the first season was over five days. Or he's just been working on it as the other stuff has been happening. Oh yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. it's season two. Or because he went to jail, he was interrupted, so it's taken him longer. But either way, Baxter is just churning out gadgets, I think is the, to the point John's getting at. Um, this is the first one that I recall that doesn't work at all. Like it fails from the start. He's had quite the run here of successful inventions, especially the ultimate rat catching machine, the Mousers, uh, a few others. But this one short circuits and... Um, and, and, and seems almost um, excessive. So this never this never comes back, you know, to my understanding. Force field generator, short circuits, it never comes back. So um, with that said, with the turtles in the lair, Splinter is interrupted during his meditation. Um, the turtles get him up to speed. And he essentially just reminds them to be patient. So again, with this sage 
wisdom. Um, he, he tells them to be patient. And then as we've seen in the last few episodes here, he proceeds to reheat an entire pizza box in his bedroom microwave. So just all around ridiculousness right there. Um, Which Matt- his, I had a couple comments there. One, John mentioned last episode that April carried pizza, pizza like a savage. Splinter does the same thing. He stands up, carries it like a textbook <laughs> under his arm. Like a briefcase? Oh, textbook. Yeah, yeah. briefcase. And then he puts it, the, the microwave had a shelf in it. He had a double-decker microwave he puts it into <laughs> and then like slams it shut and hits the button. Yeah. And then Leo, when he he flings it into the air, Leo slices it. That was pretty cool. Yeah, so we get the nice slice by Leo. Uh, Is it Mikey that that, uh, frisbees it up? And then Leo uh, slices it in half. So that is, uh, we get a glimpse of a pizza there. I made the executive decision to call that margarita pizza because it looked very saucy. Um, But I could be convinced that it's uh, just a cheese or, or something else. I think just sauce, personally. Just yeah, sauce only. Party pizza like in Rhode Island, yeah. <clears throat> All right. So I will, uh, when we get to the pizza time wheel, I will uh, add that as extra sauce. Yeah. Their pizza. Just sauce, not extra. Just sauce. Just sauce. We have extra sauce already. Do we? From the last episode when Shredder got sauce dumped on him. Oh, yeah, we do. Extra. This is just sauce. Okay. But just I'll say sauce. that looks like they're just their generic pizza, which is very, very saucy. Not much cheese, if any. Um, so the turtles, they leave the lair after speaking with Splinter, uh, eating the pizza. So they leave to patrol the city again in hopes of finding exactly what Shredder and Baxter are up to. And meanwhile, we learn that April receives a plant delivery at work and it's missing a note. So she gets um, you know, a, a gentleman that brings her a plant it's a pinkish yellowish plant uh, without a note and irma believes after some dialogue that it must be from the turtles so she convinces april the plant is from the turtles they must have forgot to leave a note um so april heads to the lair to politely decline the turtles plant gesture is at least the impression i got so she appreciates the plant but she's not looking for anything more than friendship with the turtles and that's what she's headed to tell them. Um, however, she only finds splinter at home because this happens just after the turtles leave and, um, you know, head out to patrol the city again. So therefore she updates splinter on the plant and kind of what her, her assumption is of the situation. And at, uh, as she presents the plant to splinter, he gasps, and promptly throws it uh, NBA Jam style right into the trash (laughs) because it's a rare doku plant from the Far East that contains a deadly flower blossom fragrance. So April on cue, uh, as soon as he delivers that information to April, she faints and collapses into his hands. And then, uh, you know, moments later, or a little while later, the turtles return from the, from their patrol, um, and they find Splinter tending to a comatose April. So April's laying on a wooden slab, I think. It's not even a bed. It looks like just a table. 
um, very straight and stiff. So the Doku kind of has some rigor mortis effect, I guess. Um, <laughs> and we've got Splinter, you know, look, uh, I think he's got a washcloth and, and some warm water or something like that, or some cool water that he's, you know, wiping April's brow with. So Splinter specifically, he fears that April will not survive beyond nightfall unless he can prepare an antidote. And the antidote must come from the Gazai plant, which looks a whole hell of a lot like the Doku plant based on the textbook. Um, so he, we need that plant and specifically the leaf from that plant to create the antidote. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I if it was an animation error that the, the two plants just looked exactly the same. There was no difference Yeah. at all. Or maybe that's why they're like one is evil and one is good. Because yeah. if you notice when he was meditating, he was in front of the yin yang. So my thought was a little yin and yang, two sides of the same coin type thing. Yeah. Maybe or it's a little like, deeper, John. What are the what are those bees? Like one is a uh, one won't sting you, but the other like wasp looks like that bee and it will sting you. Did you ever see those before? Like oh yeah. I think it's a hornet and a maybe it's a hornet. There's one, yeah, but to Andrew's point, there's one that looks like it would murder you and it doesn't. Yeah. But did you guys, did you actually look up the plants to see if they were real? No. Absolutely. I did. So go ahead, Chris. No, you go ahead, Andrew. If you well, up. you probably have uh, more of the information at hand. I The only thing I could find, like, there, neither of them exist, but I when you put in Doku plant, there's a thing called a Doku Dami plant, yep. which is also known as a chameleon plant, but it's a beneficial plant it's used for medicinal purposes so it's kind of the opposite of what's going on here the gazai plant i couldn't find anything on yeah and i think uh with the with that actual real life doku whatever plant it did say it was very aromatic very fragrant so maybe that was the genesis for the idea but you're correct i did not see a gazai plant or anything in reference to gazai when april knocks on the door to find splinter it just made me laugh that there's actually like these wooden doors that existed to get into their lair but then it there was a, a wooden door next to the one that splinter was in which just begs the question are there do they have neighbors is there a second sewer <laughs> layer that they have nobody the, knows the doors are interesting because i think this is the first time we've seen a door to the lair and i don't know if it was a back door it's the front door yeah. because as we've seen their front door is just an open uh tour uh sewer tunnel like there's there is no door so i did notice that too i think i think the artists again are having a little bit of inconsistency with their their layer layout um but to end this scene uh rafael kind of pipes up and he says he knows a greenhouse uptown that sells rare plants and that's where the turtles might be able to find this Gazai plant. I thought too, just to, it, so when she's knocking on the door to John's point, she's practicing how she's going to essentially turn the turtles down, which is the first actual acknowledgement that they have a crush on her. Cause it's always kind of been well, hinted to, but she's basically saying like, I like you guys, but not romantically. I don't think it indicates that they have a crush on her. She they thought they did though. Yeah, but so that doesn't mean they actually I think they do. do. I think they do. I don't think it, I don't think it confirms whether or not they do. It's just she thought it. I disagree. 
John's, John's just mad I owned him on the yin yang, and now he's coming back to, <laughs> to oh. try and screw me over. No, I'm just no. I I see where your point is coming from, and I disagree with. Your All right, let me let me rephrase. It's the first okay. open acknowledgement by a character that there may be romantic feelings somewhere in, between, in the relationship. Suck on that, John. No, I think no. The end of one of the episodes earlier, where Splinter was like, "Oh, old people." Got it going on. That was it. When that that episode was when April was on the TV. Yeah. And she winks or something and she's like, that was meant for, for Splinter. Yeah. Yeah, but that was a, that was clearly a joke. <laughs> this she's like, she's flustered when she when she gets there. It's not flustered. I think she's just no, I think anxious. She's... Well, anyway, either way. Either way. Another time. Yeah, it's a, it's um, potentially saves her life though because Splinter knows what's up, and he's he's doing his best to motivate the turtles and get the antidote created. However, uh, we find Shredder and Baxter have escaped from the World uh, Trade Center tower. They seemingly have ditched or put back the force field generator, and they're on a you know I call it a garbage barge maybe I don't know garbage ship boat and um and shredder and baxter you know are having some dialogue and and shredder knows that krang is still pranking him because he's called to you know open a portal to dimension x on this trash boat so krang's still up to his old ways i thought it was just a hilarious move that he made yeah shredder all time garbage boat yeah yeah and like shredder knows it too he's like i'm pretty sure he only did this because he knows it stinks, and of course, yeah, yeah. Classic. And then Crane calls in. He's like laughing right in his face. He's got the yeah. whole. He's got the communicator just zoomed in on his laughing face, right in Shredder's. It's awesome. Yeah, I love Crane. He's loving it. <laughs> so they uh, they have some dialogue back and forth. I did notice uh, that Crane mistakenly refers to the turtles as amphibians uh, during this little rant. Uh, just so just a little you know fun tidbit there um that's so but, smart now is he crank but and I, I actually looked that up because i was like were they classified as amphibians because we get another um we get another amphibian reference later and as far as i could tell they've always been reptiles so um but ultimately shredder relays what's been going on how he's still been unable to destroy the turtles so crane finally relents and decides to help Shredder by sending Bebop and Rocksteady back to Earth from Dimension X. But in order to balance the interdimensional energy, uh, somebody has to go back through the portal to Dimension X. So in a quick decision, Shredder elects Baxter involuntarily and just hucks him through the portal. So he sacrifices him um, in order to Hey, Marshall. Uh, he sacrifices them in order to get Bebop and Rocksteady to Earth. So that switch happens. Um, and then as Bebop and Rocksteady come through, Shredder reveals his plan. And his plan is to lure the turtles into a trap using April. So now we can start to connect the dots, maybe with the uh, mysterious Doku plant um, uh, plot that's that's been unfolding. Upon arriving in Dimension X, two rock soldiers escort Baxter to the 
disintegrator unit. So this is Turtle Tech appearance number two. So the disintegrator unit is, uh, to me, looks like a vapor vaporization chamber. So you go in there, it vaporizes you, disintegrates you, and you're just dust in the wind. Yeah, I was actually shocked that Krang was just about to dust Baxter, like immediately right to the disintegration chamber, like so evil. It was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. and they've like stepped up. So essentially, and we'll get to it in a second, but the evil, the villains in this episode have stepped up the like consequences of what they're doing because they basically tried to kill April too. Like we're, we're going to get there, but she was poisoned to the point of she has 24 hours to live. Baxter gets dragged about to be disintegrated, And then toward the end, there's another one where death, like basically death is the stakes now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm not really understanding the, the vengeance against Baxter because he's really been the only one that's gotten close. I mean, he hasn't been successful, fully successful in destroying the turtles, but he's caught Splinter a couple times. Like he's developed things that have been better, in my opinion, than Krang's technology. And I know there's a little bit of a, from a few episodes ago, like a back and forth pull between Krang and Baxter. Um, however, I did, I agree with you. This seems very aggressive to me just to huck him and disintegrate him. However, Shredder did try to have Baxter murdered by the Foot Clan in his first appearance mm -hmm. too. So this is this is not the first time Baxter has been, um, you know, uh, tried to be killed. Well, and he he turned against Shredder earlier. I think that's the turning point where you go against the family now. You yeah, yeah, with the helmet, with the eye of Sarnoth. Uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's just like, you know, what have you done for me lately? He effed up months of work with the force field generator. It's almost like Shredder was like, shit, it, like he's the only person around on this barge. Let me just huck him through. Like, I don't, I think it was just like a, almost like a Freudian slip where he's just like, I hate this dude. And he throws him through the portal. Which is fair. So we'll get, uh, so again, that's a disintegrator unit. So we're going to start our, um, our second turtle tech trivia of the episode. So same question as before, did, does, or did a disintegration unit or that technology exist at the time of the episode air date? I We're just talking yeah. like vaporizing someone? Um, loosely, you can interpret it in different ways, but the ability to disintegrate things. You'll say yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and then, uh, so it was. And, and I... In my research, I kind of just went down the path of drug distillation testing or a disintegration apparatus is kind of the most information I could find. So what year was a drug dissolution tester or disintegration apparatus first pioneered? I'm going to say 1945. I'm going, I'm going back. For some reason, like 1782 is in my head right now. All right. I think uh, Chris is closer. It was 1897. Mm. Jeez. So the like first dissolution studies were reported in the literature in 1897 by Arthur Noyes and Willis Whitney. So they were doing... Uh, brother. 
yeah they were they were doing uh essentially looking at the dissolution rate of oral uh orally prescribed pharmaceutical drugs interesting this kind of reminds me have you guys heard the theory of the apple in a box yeah this isn't a joke this is an actual thing apple in a box i don't think so yeah so basically if you put if you were to if you put an apple in a box that was perfectly sealed and there was an infinite amount of time over time it would decay and then turn into dust or whatever and then over more time the particles would decay and basically over time everything would break down to its most fundamental protons neutrons and elements and then they would recombine over random collisions into something else right yeah so basically the theory is that if you had an infinite amount of time in a perfectly sealed box that box would contain everything that could possibly ever exist because it would just keep cycling through and then random combination would create a car or a house or whatever which is pretty interesting or, or a universe yeah yeah well that's like the which yeah, teacher profound which, which teacher was it that said if you had infinite time and infinite monkeys and infinite typewriters you would get shakespeare's greatest works from one of those monkeys yeah just you don't need random. an infinite amount of time for them to write the Twilight series. <laughs> like that joke? No. Is it so it. bad it's like monkeys wrote it? Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good literary joke. You guys obviously don't read books. Nope. I read... Uh, no, I didn't read Twilight. Speaking of movies, though... um. I had a flight out to Houston this week and on the flight, I watched Top Gun Maverick, the Top Gun movie that came out. Wow. Just wow. So good. So great. I'm not a big Top Gun guy. Yeah. I'm also not a big Tom Cruise guy, but I'm also not into the movie buildup that ultimately always doesn't live up to the expectation like black panther john you know yeah, something about avatar that. john this is a classic avatar john, john. <laughs> yeah <laughs> black panther is great avatar i don't recall ever saying that it was the best movie that was ever invented but i'm saying if you just want like a good action movie where it's flying planes around and you know just cool things in the air top gun maverick is for you you should be making this pitch to dad he would love this did he not see it no, his, his uh, dad he might get a migraine. He might get a migraine if he watches. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it is like, yeah, it is kind of like, all right, Tom Cruise is this realistic, but it's good. I would, I would highly recommend all of our listeners watch it, as well as the current listeners. And then, and then, on my way back from Houston, I watched Three Hundred, which is just like a classic. classic yeah, yeah, like you know classic beat em up movie and then i had a little bit of time so i watched beetlejuice with michael keaton yeah well that movie kind of freaks me out a little bit michael keaton's beetlejuice yeah although i i I didn't watch the last 10 minutes so i'm kind of at a loss at how it wraps up and i don't remember but yeah it was a weird one that's quite the mix of movies to be watching well this 300 into beetlejuice well, yeah. it was like I finished 300. I had 84 minutes left and I needed to watch something. And Beetlejuice, I think, was 90 minutes. So I'm like, I think I can make it. 
with credits and ads and stuff, but I didn't. As we were coming in, this is the last thing about my trip. As we were coming into Logan, they, the pilot gets on the intercom and he's like, we're going to be a little bit delayed. And this, it was like a snowstorm. So it's like, oh, the runway must be icy. But he's like, there's a ship that's passing in front of the runway. So we need to circle around the airport for like 20 minutes so we can let the ship get out of the way so we don't hit it. I was like, what? Yeah, that's Logan's right in the ocean, obviously. That makes sense. I know, but can we not plan out these ship courses a little bit better than right in front of the runway? Well, the harbor is only so big. There's probably a channel. I mean, given given the storms, I feel like you you got off pretty easy just having a 20-minute delay. Yeah. Could have been worse. And you were able to, I mean, ultimately, you were able to exit the plane, which is exactly what Baxter does with the disintegration unit. So Baxter, instead of being vaporized, what we learn is as Baxter was thrown through the Dimension X portal by Shredder, a fly inadvertently, you know, that was from the, the garbage barge, uh, had inadvertently gone through Dimension X with him and entered the dis- disintegrator unit with Baxter. So instead of being vaporized, he is cross-mutated with the fly. And he becomes the fly. Do they actually, is the name the fly ever mentioned? No, but it's the name of the episode. So I'm, I will refer oh, to yeah. Baxter. I will refer to Baxter from here on as the fly because uh, only Krang and Shredder and Bebop and Rocksteady know that he's been mutated at, at this point. So to keep okay. it, to keep it um, logical for the turtles, I'm going to call him the fly because they don't know who he is yet. So the fly promptly breaks out of the disintegrator unit. Um, and here's kind of where I put a couple thoughts, you know, Baxter is a small scientist, so he normally is not strong enough to break through what looks like a, like a gas chamber. So there has to be already some mutant strength, um, that we're seeing from Baxter. He steals a laser gun, uh, opens a portal back to earth at like the main control board in the technodrome and then precisely shoots two rock soldiers and Krang. So he, again, something happened in this mutation other than just making him into part fly because he's got mutant strength. And now he has maybe the best shooting out of anyone we've seen in the series so far. Um, So he takes three guys down in the split second before he hops through the portal and um, disappears from dimension X. Yeah. He's like quick draw McGraw. He shoots them all like in the heart and the face too. Not even like wings them. He hits them dead right where it gets them good. Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed, so he entered the portal, but didn't, there wasn't a requirement for someone else to come back through. Yeah. So it's like, was Krang sort of just making it up? Cause no, well, if you, John, if you noticed when Krang said what he said, he said at the moment, the interdimensional balance is unstable, which leads you to believe that it's kind of like the ocean and sometimes it's choppy and sometimes it's calm. So maybe it had settled out by the time Baxter flew back through. <laughs> I know that, but I'm just saying it's like it's less than like five minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> Are you claiming that you know how the interdimensional waves no, work? Just, I was merely stating a sentence in, in sparking debate, which I'm glad I did. Yeah. Well, I just owned you. As the c- contrarian Chris over here. 
contrarian. I was waiting. I had a note for myself that somebody was going to mention that, and I was going to shut him down. (laughs) So we learned that Baxter has jumped through the portal to head back to Earth because he wants to seek revenge against his enemies. So he's kind of blurting. You know, this his mutation is different or seems to be different than the turtles or some of the other characters because he seems a little bit less coherent and maybe more fly, like from a cognitive standpoint, more like a fly than a human. So he's kind of just, you know, rambling about revenge and, and making his, uh, you know, his little quips. And ironically, he spots the turtles who, if you remember, are en route to the greenhouse to find the gazai plant for Splinter to create the antidote for April, who is poisoned by the Doku plant by Shredder. So this is where the two timelines converge um, for the first time. And we have Baxter who just starts lighting up the sky and firing his his, um, laser gun at the turtles to scatter them. And then Quink quick thinking leo throws a katana uh, and he severs a clothesline that's hanging above baxter um, and it comes down and somehow wraps him up or ties him up uh, temporarily so as that's happening the turtles see a manhole cover and they hop down into the sewer and they take off yeah leo very he loves throwing his katanas he's very accurate and he does it gets the job done but he gets a little throw happy yeah, we've had so a lot of get him back. How's it going to back? Had, we've had a lot of throwing of weapons by Leo and Mikey. Mikey with the nunchucks yeah. the last few episodes. He's been hucking those things around too. I thought it was funny he hit a clothesline. I can't remember the last time I saw a clothesline. I think they're dead. Wind dried clothes, air dried clothes, Chris. Yeah, no who does anyone do any of you use a clothesline? I don't. Never. No, but my, my, one of my neighbors has a clothesline strung up to the tree that they hang stuff on. Clothes, presumably. <laughs> but I also noticed like the way Leo throws the katana is like a javelin where it goes like straight. It's not like how you would throw a knife that like flips and spins, you know? Yeah, that's his ninjutsu training. He can keep it, the blade just like honed in on the, uh, yeah, the target. Yeah. It's a slicing blade, not a chopping blade. It is impressive because they are able to escape. And in that commotion, Baxter, you know, as he unties himself, he uh, decides that the turtles really aren't his primary focus at this point. And he needs to shift his vengeance towards Shredder because Shredder is the real enemy. He's the reason that he is now the fly. So... The fly takes off and he stumbles upon Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady on a building rooftop. So similar in a way to the first scene, we've got Shredder already established there. And in this case, the fly is coming up instead of the turtle blimp. Bebop and Rocksteady immediately return fire as, again, Baxter is just kind of opening up with his laser gun, opening up all over the rooftop. Bebop and Roxy return fire, and they absolutely drill Baxter, who is the fly at this point, in the chest and crash crash him to the ground. So within a few minutes of each other, we've got four like right, right to the heart shots. Three by Baxter, and then one now by Bebop and Rocksteady. Yeah, I had a note that 
this the way the cartoon was drawn when they shot them down, they looked like the Boondock Saints. If they were side by side, their guns both pointed out, and they just took them out two two shots right to the heart. That's a great that's a great reference, but it's true. So Baxter crashes uh, rapidly to the ground, and then we we have Baxter and Shredder kind of bickering, blaming each other, pointing fingers, um, ultimately trying to place blame on the other for the reason that they're in the situation. In that dialogue, it seems like. Baxter is jealous of Shredder's preference of Bebop and Rocksteady as his, as his go-to mutants. So we've seen now for a few episodes, Shredder's been complaining about not having the foot soldiers or Bebop and Rocksteady. He's only had Baxter. And so I think this has all been building. We also had the Eye of Zarnoth um, situation where Baxter tried to steal Shredder's helmet. So there's been a lot of animosity building. I think it all comes out here. Baxter tells Shredder he's being a bad friend. <laughs> more or less but shredder somehow has this ability and i don't know if it's again because the fly is just semi-coherent or he's concussed he has cte early cases of cte developing i don't know but shredder somehow changes the fly's thinking and shifts the focus of the vengeance away from shredder and back onto the turtles and um, at that moment, Shredder convinces Baxter to fight with him again against the turtles. Yeah. Shredder just being a master manipulator here, being like, you know, it was, oh, it wasn't me that threw you in there. Remember, it was the turtles, and, and the flies like, oh, yeah, 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 I think you're right. Like, let's get after the turtles. Yeah. Our flies, I was trying to think to, because to me, Baxter is acting almost like a goldfish where his memory is just garbage. I didn't know if flies, maybe a house fly, because they only live like 24 hours. But I was trying to figure out why he just has no memory at all. doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out, too. I think I'm going to chalk it up to, because the disintegrator unit is not supposed to be mutating. It's just, you know, something that happens when it gets messed up. I think these are all the side effects of a botched mutation. Yeah, because he remembered that Shredder... He remembered he hated Shredder, and Shredder turned him into a fly, basically, earlier on, and now he just seems to not be able to remember anything. Yeah. yeah. I also found it... Um, so when Baxter, or the fly, initially flies through the portal, Crane gives Shredder a buzz, and is like, oh, FYI, just, I lost Baxter. Like, he flew back. And <laughs> Shredder's, it's like, kind of the roles reversed, where, like, Crane needs to call Shredder and tell him all the, what he did, which is like not great. And he's like, "Oh, like I could have not called you and told you that, but just FYI." And Shredder's like, "All right, thanks, you idiot." <laughs> so it's a little roll reversal there. Yeah. So this is, I think, this is the first major screw up of Crane. I mean, he he untied Mikey in episode two or three to just mess with Shredder, but this mm -hmm. is really the first time you know that, that there's a major screw up. Yeah, so he, he lost Bebop and Rocksteady in a trade, and then he can't disintegrate Baxter, and then he loses the fly. So now he's left with just the foot soldiers, presumably. Yeah. The funny thing about Bebop and Rocksteady going back to Shredder was that they just instantly started 
kissing his ass as soon as they got back from the portal, which is just like they're the perfect grunts where whoever the leader of the day is, they just swear loyalty to. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And those guys, um, to that point, they take off with Shredder. So after they get back, they're back on their side. Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady head out to test one of Baxter's last inventions before becoming the fly. And that brings us to the third appearance of Turtle Tech, which is the Knucklehead. So the Knucklehead is a spider-shaped robot. Um, and Shredder is using it to test capture or practice um, on Rocksteady by wrap, having him wrapped up and, and hung from the ceiling as if he were you know, pr- uh, prey for the spider. So we see the knucklehead. That brings us back to Turtle Tech. So I'll ask the same question. Did the knucklehead, and, and here again, loosely robotic, robot, robotic spider, did those exist at the time of the episode air date? Chris. Um, it's kind of specific. Say, yeah, say so, one more time, did a robot spider exist? Robots. Let's let's go with robots. Did robots exist? Modern robots exist at the time of the episode air date. Um, I'm gonna say yes because well, I'll explain it after. Bring say yes. I also say yes. Yeah. Okay, what year were they first invented? The earliest robots, John. And it, yeah, I'm gonna say 1972. Would we defining as a robot just a mechanical thing that can operate by itself? You have all the information that the same information that I have in mind. Made my guess, so make your guess. Well, it's gonna be it's gonna be. I mean, space was like a big deal in the 50s. I'm gonna go. No, World War II. I'm going to go, I'm going to 1945. The earliest robots as we know them were created in the early 1950s mm. by George C. DeVol, an inventor from Louisville, Kentucky. He invented and patented a repro- reprogrammable manipulator called Unimate from Universal Automation. So he's credited as, you know, the, yes, one of the early inventors of robots so if john had watched all of the rocky movies he would have realized that in one of them i think it's rocky two or three rocky has a robot butler and that's in like the 70s or 80s so i knew it had to be earlier than that wow wow so here's a fun yeah here's a fun thing about robots there's um have you guys heard of the three laws of robotics before? Is this yeah. from the movie iRobot? No, no this is legit. Yeah, oh. it's it's so. Um, I Can you read them off like, for us? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, fundamental yeah, so, like principles of robots as as creators. Yeah. yeah. Of AI. Yeah. So there was this science. I think he was a science fiction author, Isaac Asimov, Asimov, who made the three laws of robotics, which basically were. Um, you know, three rules that if you're creating robots or writing about robots that you should follow. The three rules are one, a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. Two, a robot must obey the orders given by its human beings except where such orders would conflict with the first law. 
and three, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second laws. Interesting. So that is violated. Remember early on, I talked about the killer robots that the city of San Francisco was deploying as part of their police force or SWAT force. So those violate those laws theoretically because it can cause harm to another human being or another robot. Yeah. That's the plot of the movie. I robot that they have to hurt humans in order to help them. Yeah. That's That's the plot of every, the inevitable conflict terminator. I mean, they're all, they're all there. Do you guys see too? We had the chat GPT um, feature segment a few episodes ago. I think last time I hosted, so that would be episode eight. Um, do you see all this stuff now that it wants to be human, or, or have you been reading how it's just being weird with the Bing integration that it's had? Yeah, yeah. It's Wasn't scary. there one that said that it was going to like kill everyone or something? Well, I think people like people have prompted it in a way such that it like normally it's not allowed to answer questions, but the way that you interact with it, if you're like, okay. Yes, read your descriptor, yeah. but act as, I think they called it like Dan. It, it was like some acronym for like, okay, now we get it. You can't say these things, but if you could say these things, what would you say? And it started to respond to them in that way. Yeah. And I think it must have been three or four years ago. I believe it was Google had something going on with AI too, and they developed their own language to talk to each other to try to shut out the humans from understanding yeah. what they were discussing. So that and they had to like unplug it basically because it was yeah. too it was it was yeah it was, it it was they made their own language. Yeah. Do you guys so. remember Smarter Child and the chatbots on AIM? AIM. Yeah, the chatbots. Yeah, I do remember those. That's what this reminds me of. Just a more advanced Smarter Child who was basically there. You could just like unload insults at it, and it would just say things <laughs> like, "Please, that's not very nice to say." That's what I used to do always. Yeah, it's kind of like um, like there was this art exhibit that this artist had made where she there was like a table of objects, one of them being a knife and a loaded gun. And she would let whoever, whatever passersby came up and they could do put her in any position and do whatever they wanted to her. And it like escalated to the point of someone actually held the loaded gun to her head and didn't actually kill her. But it's kind of this idea that like, how far will people go how far will AI go? How far will people go if there's like, it was in the name of art, right? But yeah. because there's, I hate art like that. It's stupid. So the knucklehead. Oh, what do you think people are going to do? Yeah. Not the whole, I mean. Do they know it was loaded? Yeah. Oh, well, that's different. Of course they did. I thought they yeah. didn't know. And it was just like, a, what do people do with a prop gun? Yeah. But even so, like, why, like, he, like, there's a group of people around and it's like, what will people do just to get a reaction? Yeah. You know, Bystander I think some of that right too. Yeah. But human nature too is like, I think there's a tendency to always be pushing the envelope as humans. It's just like part of our DNA where we're always, we're always, uh, you know, pushing the boundaries. And I think whether that's technology or just people in general, that's why to me, artificial intelligence is scary because it's way more sophisticated than we are. And 
like humans are pretty flawed to begin with. So we're creating as flawed things, we're creating this all knowing, all encompassing being. So it, it, it does get trippy. Yeah, but, it's uneasy when you're not the smartest thing. Yeah. But the knucklehead that problem. The knucklehead is a quite rudimentary robot. Um, but it does work. So it test captures Rocksteady um and wraps him up. And then um meanwhile, the turtles, if you recall, had escaped from Baxter into the sewer. So they are running through the sewer in an effort to get to the turtle blimp. That's where they're headed. We don't know it uh, at the cutscene yet, but um, there's some dialogue back and forth that sets up for some of the uh, reveal of the fly. So Donatello and Leonardo, they feel like the fly seems familiar, but they can't quite put their finger on who it is or what it is or why, um, because they just need to focus on getting the gazai plant for April. So they know something's there, but they kind of put it in the back of their mind. Maybe they'll get around to it after they, um, you know, after they heal April potentially. But um, then we then we see the turtles in the blimp, and they're en route to the greenhouse that Raph had mentioned. Um, because what we have here is Leo calling Splinter, and uh, Splinter answering on. A really weird looking turtle com. Do you guys notice that we have another turtle com art error? Yeah, the, yeah like you got the flip phone version. Yeah, it's white, that white and purple, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's yeah, it's all white, I think, or gray. Um, so he answers. Splinter answers the phone, and in a callback to our best worst of the phone salutations from a few episodes ago as well, uh, he answers with a simple yes, which I think hmm. somebody had mentioned. I don't know if it was me or Chris. Just answering with yes or go, or was that John? Yeah, it was, it was John. Like, go for John. Go for John. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So he answers, um, and Leo confirms with Splinter that the greenhouse lead is legitimate, and he just wanted to relay that to Splinter. So, so he's told Splinter, you know, we will be getting this because I plant, we know it's here. We're headed to the, the greenhouse. Just wanted to give you a, a heads up so you can anticipate that. And uh, just one more comment on the weird turtle com. You know what uh, What I thought was cool about it? What did you think was cool about it? That you could use it to leave TMNT Shellcast a listener voicemail question or comment that might be featured on a future podcast episode. Very nice. How would, yeah. how would one go about leaving a turtle com voicemail? Uh, great, great question, John. So there's a couple easy ways to leave a voicemail. One is to go to tmntshellcast.com. That's our website. You'll find a whole bunch of stuff there, but at the very top, you'll find a button in green that says Turtlecom voicemail. Click that button and that will bring you, uh, you know, to the app slash website where you can leave a voicemail. Wow. That's really easy. Or if you had that troll com and you, um, you know, wanted to follow us on social media, you could go to TikTok, you could go to Twitter, you could go to Instagram and just type in at TMNT Shellcast. You can find our social. John, how's the Twitter? How's the TikTok looking? 
there's a lot of ideas coming along. I'm just trying to create. It's hard being a millennial on TikTok and not feeling like you're old as fuck, if I'm being honest. Yeah, so still zero videos, huh? <laughs> yeah. It's funny that tw- the Twitter and Instagram are bumping, but TikTok, some would say the dominant social media platform right now seems to be a little empty. Crickets. It is. I think it is the dominant and it's intimidating because I've never ticked or talked. So I'm learning. Wow. I think John should start with a little dance video to fit right in. Maybe replicate Mikey's dance from the opening scenes, the <laughs> intro song. So uh, keep an eye out for TikTok. John will eventually, uh, maybe in 10 years now, we'll create some content for that. Um, the other thing you can do, you can find us on all major podcast platforms, and you can also find us on YouTube. So I, w- I was checking last night, and we've got about we've got over 200 plays, streams on the pod. Um, and we've got close to 200 views on YouTube. So overall, that's pretty good. Doing pretty good. Someone say it's more than just us. Essentially. Yeah, it is. And in a future episode, we could, uh, what I'll do is we can do a little state of the uh, podcast and, and give some updates on listenership, but, um, yeah, please check us out on, on podcasts and YouTube. And then. The last thing I want to say is the best way to promote or give back to TMNT Shellcast if you enjoy this podcast is just telling others about it. So we really do want to um, you know, reach as many listeners as we can. So please spread the word and help us out there. Yes, I will be eventually putting up stickers on street signs and other in non-inconspicuous locations to then take photos of in hopes of getting more listener and follows on the pod in the city where there are more breweries than by where Chris lives. (laughs) (laughs) Near near to or close by is the question. You should put a QR code on them so you can scan and then boom. That's a good idea. Oh, you're the merch guy. Is a sticker merch or is that swag, John? Do you know swag is an acronym? Yeah, I did know. I just learned that recently. Something in giveaways. Stuff. Yeah. And giveaways have to be the last two. Stuff we all get. We all get, yeah. I was wrong. Or a scientific wild-ass guess. Yeah. You just take a swag and something. So back to the episode. Splinter on that phone call that he received from Leo on his weird turtle com. Uh, Splinter, again, he's just, he's a motivator this episode. He's just telling the turtles, this is urgent. Remember how urgent it is to save April. So he just gives them a little boost, a little pep talk. Um, and then the turtles land the blimp behind some trees in a park, which I'm assuming is Central Park in New York. Um, they exit. That, so, that yeah, the blimp, blimp massive. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's like towers over the trees. Yeah. By almost half. Like the trees are only like halfway up the blimp uh, or so. So very. Yeah, not being very. Not inconspicuous. Discreet. Yeah. Not discreet whatsoever. Um, 
but they so they exit the blimp and we see them in a new disguise so this is probably the third or fourth episode with a new disguise they are wearing chris what are they wearing the best gardener's outfits you could hope for they have the big gardener hat on that blocks the sun they have overalls on one of my favorite costumes i've seen so far yeah it's like what uh what do they call them like 10 gallon hats or something like that bucket hats bucket hats those massive massive uh sun hats so they are yeah they're wearing a disguise to go into the gardening shop which happens to be near central park and in that uh greenhouse donatello buys the last remaining gazai plant in the western hemisphere or so we're told by the shop owner so could be classic sales pitch you know or it could the be shop the shop owner who by the way they gave a japanese accent to and he and not that everybody that has a japanese accent has to look japanese but he the accent does not match the character at all i don't know if it was an error or not yeah and i'm just thinking like shredder you're going to poison april with this doku plant and you know that the gazai is the antidote do a little research Go buy all the gazais around so that they can't create an antidote. Just classic John, ten dollar move with a ten cent finish. John walks right into Shredder's trap. You're worse than April. The whole point mean? is to get the turtles to get that plant. Yeah. So that's, then he knows where they're going. Come so on, John. That's the mm. whole yeah. Come that's on. the whole wow. that's the whole trap. <laughs> wow. That's the whole Dang. trap. So so it's not yet revealed in the episode but to chris's (laughs) point so we now know or can theorize that shredder poisoned april with the doku plant knowing that there was an antidote out there one left so that the turtles would go get it at the greenhouse and then that shredder could attack them and destroy them in a knowing location that's John finds the smoking gun. You don't think it was a little too convenient that there was only one plant? <laughs> I do. I do. He finds I had the smoking in my notes. gun and confuses it. Damn it. I had in my notes. Why wouldn't Shredder just buy the last? I totally. <laughs> wow. How can Shredder not be anything but number one on our villain power rankings? Because he just duped me. I had in my notes earlier, April is the stupidest. She walks into every Shredder trap willingly. Yeah, they they typecast her as a damsel in distress constantly, yeah. and it gets annoying yeah. after a while. But I can't believe John just got foiled by a shredder, a shredder plan. Wow. Damn. But with with the mention of the gazai plant and plants in general, I wanted to do a little buy or sell botany edition. And it's been quite a while since we've done buy or sell, so just to remind the listeners, I'll present a topic or a concept and. John and Chris will either buy and be an advocate for or sell and be an advocate against whatever that is. So that's, that's the general gist of it. What I have prepared today is there's four categories. So this is a botany edition. So it has to do with plants. Um, so I've got four categories, house plants, trees, flowers, or other. So I will have, I'm going to spin the shell cast wheel right now to see who will go first. You can pick your category and then I will ask both of you five buyer cells from that, from that topic, if that makes sense. So you have, you prepared 20 things. Yes. Wow. Well done and on the prep. 
and it's on John. It landed on Michelangelo. So John, you get your first choice of the category, and then Chris will pick the next one after we go through the five. Okay, I'm going so trees. Trees. Okay. Great, great, uh, great category. So first one, the most common tree in the United States is the maple tree. Are you buying or selling maple trees, Chris? I'm buying maple. I'm buying I'm maple selling. trees. Selling. Chris is selling. Chris. John is buying. Chris. Wait, is this one. a? Are we just guessing if this is true? I kind of missed the. No, when selling. I say sell, am I saying that what you said was wrong, or am I just in general? No. Do you like maple <laughs> trees or do you dislike maple <laughs> trees? Oh, Chris, <laughs> I thought it was like a true false thing for a second. I'm gonna no. buy. I like maple trees. I'm buying yeah, maple trees. Absolutely buying one maple, maple as a yeah side product of the sap, although it's quite labor intensive to make. Two, just a great tree. I think it makes. Is it labor intensive, John, or do you just need a lot of it? No, it's pretty labor intensive. You got to boil it. Sugar yeah. shack, you just boil it. Yeah, it takes a lot of labor. All right, buying it, buying it, actually tap the trees, buying next. Yeah, maple trees are great. The red maple specifically is the most common tree in the United States, which I didn't know. I do now. Uh, next tree, so I would buy maple. I'm also. I'm a fan of maple syrup, but John and Chris ruined it for me as a kid because we'd have Eggo waffles before school some days, and John would somehow get maple syrup all over the uh, Aunt Jemima's um, bottle. And when I would go to touch it, my fingers would get so sticky that I learned to despise anything to do with maple syrup. Yeah, maple syrup, like if you get a little bit between your fingers, there's no getting it rid of it you're just sticky yeah. for all day a game changer maple spread which you can get from i got from a sugar shack around here you spread it like butter on toast incredible they also have I'm, dehydrated I'm maple spread they have dehydrated maple syrup powder which i've thought about maybe like sprinkling on like real milk real maple yeah. milk be good <laughs> all right buy or sell oak trees Oak trees sell. Buy oak number one, very strong wood, and number two, an oak tree looks nice. You get one of those old gnarled oak trees. Silver oak, oak trees, maybe. Don't those don't those generate acorns? Whatever. What's wrong with an acorn? Too many. Be more effective in your seed dispersion rather than relying on squirrels to eat them and go bury them. Trying oaks grow like crazy, so they are good at spreading seeds. Well, they, anyway. they can't grow crazy enough more than maples. Because maples I don't even know if one. I believe that. How are there more maple trees than pine trees? I don't know, but pine is our next buy or sell. Sell. Fucking sell. pine trees. Yeah. Nice Although, that they stay green, but sap. They do yeah. look great snow covered. John, a pine cone is that. pretty cool, too, in terms of a seed. Probably the coolest of the seeds. Yeah. And the fact that they're evergreen, I think, I don't know if all pine are, but most of them are, uh, or whatever the term is for trees that are, you know, stay yeah, year round, coniferous. evergreen, coniferous trees. I think that's pretty cool. I actually they might, smell I'm, good I'm too. Changing. I'm buying them. Pine needles, trees. nice smell. I'm still, still selling because the sap, as a kid, remember yeah. we used to play in the front yard and you'd always get pine pitch on yeah. your clothes or your hands. And that stuff is 10 times worse than maple syrup. That's and then fact. it gets dirt on it and it turns black on your hand and you still can't get it off. 
Yeah. All right. Next one. Redwood trees. Bye. Yeah. That's a buy. Yeah. Big. Redwoods. Are not as red. cool as a sequoia, but still a big tree. Yeah. The old growth. Yeah, we like we like big trees. Very po- uh, pro big tree podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the last one under trees is the fake cell phone tower tree that they uh, put up in some places. You guys buying a cell It makes me laugh when I those. see it. Yeah. <laughs> it just looks funny. It's like it's twice as tall as any tree around it, and they still just for the the birds, I guess, put a couple branches up there. There's like six yeah. branches every yeah. five hundred feet yeah. on the thing. It reminds You're me not fooling anybody. Yeah, it's like if you built a Lego tree. That's exactly what it looks like. You think they'd either go all the way and make it really look like a tree, or just be okay with it looking just like metal. But all right, so that wraps up trees. Chris, you've got house plants, flowers, uh, or other. We're gonna go house plants because I don't even know if I know five house plants. So we're gonna all right. Uh, buy or sell a succulent slash cactus. It's probably the most common. Dad had a lot of these. We've got a lot here. I don't know the difference between a succulent and cactus. I just know they both look like cactuses to me. A succulent is a variety. It's like a category of plants. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like an owl so a plant is a succulent. No. Yes. Well, maybe, but they have it as separate. When I Googled okay. popular house plants. So I knew you were just... going to have that on the list. I'm selling cacti and succulents. Ooh, I'm buying them. Low maintenance. Easy to have around. Cool. You know, you could have a cool little succulent village kind of thing. Cacti are always good for displays. I think bamboo. Does that count as a succulent? No. No. Okay. Well, it could. So that's a plus. I'm buying. I like them, but not as a house plant. Cactus is just an accident waiting to happen. Yeah, I think I feel like people that have succulents like us, it's because you forget to water your regular houseplants. And so you're trying to go with something that's not going to die. But I just don't find them very attractive as a houseplant. They don't add to the ambiance that I'm looking for. How many houseplants do you have, Andrew? I don't know. Half a dozen. You have houseplants? Yeah. John wow. Rachel bought them. You think Andrew's buying house plants? I wouldn't buy them. Chris, do you have house plants? No, there's not a single plant in my house because I don't know. I don't know. I want house plants, but I don't know what to get. Well, so it could be a very informative buy or sell for you. How about yeah. aloe vera, Chris? Would you yeah, buy or this sell? This is a huge buy just for the burn. Everyone knows burn your hand, cut an aloe plant open, rub it on there. Except if you have a cat, right? You're not supposed to have them if you have a cat. Aren't they poisonous? I don't know. John, you tell us. That's what I've been told by Graham. Yeah, I bet that could. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I don't have them. Aloe? No. Al no is more like it. So. All right. Spider plant. I don't know if you guys know exactly what these are, but these are kind of like the thin leafed. Uh, kind of bushy it's not a bush but it's it's got like a bunch of these thin leaves that come up and then they like hang over the edge hang so over. like spider legs so yeah. droopy i don't like thin else. leaves so Dro- yeah droopy so. spider spiders plant. suck too anything spider related get out of here yeah chlorophyll more like borophyll next bamboo you buying or selling bamboo john i'm buying bamboo i like when people do the little shapes it's a very um, environmentally friendly plant 
to create. It's strong. You can use it as a straw. It feeds pandas. Next. Sell as much as you could possibly sell a plant. I get bamboo is useful. I don't like the look of it. It's ugly. As a house plant, I don't think so. And John's statement that it's environmentally friendly, I don't think that's true at all. It's an invasive species. It grows like crazy. It sucks up a lot of water. What are you talking about? I think there's not environmentally friendly. I think there is something to be said though. It's like the strongest, like per. It's the fastest regenerating. Yeah. Or maybe that's yeah, what it is. That okay. That doesn't mean it's, it's good for the environment. Yes, it that it does because you can use it in with many applications. Not that you would with a house plant. This is just more bamboo in general. John, it sucks up a lot of water. Okay, it chokes out other plants. So, for instance, Dad's neighbor, who shall remain nameless. <laughs> planted bamboo <laughs> it's, it's taken over like everything uh, it's doing chris yeah well, i personally kills not, native plants off john i'm personally not a fan of bamboo i don't like the look of it more than anything but then i also think people just like to say bamboo even though if they don't really know what it is or it could be used for yeah. it can grow listen to this it can grow up to 35 inches per day yeah. Yeah. In ideal conditions, which is like well, just a swamp. Doesn't, doesn't yeah. require fertilizer. Self-regenerates from its own root system, so there's no replanting required. Yeah. How much water? It kills native species, John. That's the most important thing. Chris, what the fuck native species are in Brookfield, Mass, that you would care about? That I would care about? Uh, actually, I do a lot of research into native plant species, okay. number one. <laughs> Because I've removed certain plants from my yard that were killing, which in turn impacts the bees, John. It impacts birds. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a chain reaction. To, I'm not getting to native plant. I'm going to fucking... TikTok boy, go to sneak, native plant. TikTok. I'm going to sneak into your house and I'm going to just spray bamboo seeds everywhere. Okay. So. All right. And last, last buy or sell for houseplants, we've got fake houseplants. Are you so, buying or selling? Chris is out on the on the fake plants. If you John, have to dust the plant, get it out of here. Just put it in the dishwasher like that. <laughs> right next to the candles. Yeah. <laughs> John, are you buying or selling fake house plants? Some selling. selling. <laughs> I actually like fake uh, fake house plants. Did the candles melt? I forget. Oh, yeah. yeah, he tried and to clogged, just steam them. Drain. Yeah, he left them in too long. <laughs> he fell asleep on the couch or something. It melted. <laughs> All right, other two categories we've got, John, uh, flowers or other? I'm going other. All right, other, lawn slash grass. Are you buying or selling lawn? I'm selling lawns. So, because bad for the environment. Yeah, they should be, not that we deal with forest, forest fires around here. Maybe you do, Andrew, but they should be so that it, it prevents forest fires from d- enveloping your house not having grass does yeah there's like you can do like a rock garden or something oh, where yeah, it's yeah. like less burnable things also lawns are a construct of the 1950s where it was a way to show that you were wealthy or comfortable because you had this patch of grass that wasn't used for hurting Anything. animals yeah. yeah i'm out yeah so. i uh i'm also selling lawns because and i never knew this until i owned a home and i I own a house in a subdivision um, on less than like a quarter of an acre. So I don't have a big lawn, but 
I still use something crazy like 2000 gallons of water or more. So it's like some absurd amount of water to water my lawn because I live in a semi-arid place that shouldn't have grass. So you should, so, what you should do, Andrew. Rocks, no scape or zero scape, whatever it's called. No, clover. So clover is more water resistant. You or it uses less water and it's hardier. It puts nitrogen back into the soil and it stays green longer. So when you're I, in a drought, your, your lawn won't burn up. I could do that Except in my backyard. Accident, though. My HOA will not allow clover in my front lawn. Yeah, that's the problem that. with HOAs. Yeah, there's a lot of problems <laughs> with HOAs. Yeah. All right. How about good old the devil's lettuce cannabis? <laughs> you buying or selling <laughs> cannabis? John? Hi- hypothetically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get, I'm definitely not selling cannabis. But I'm also not yeah. buying. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the politician's answer. Yeah. I will buy cannabis. <laughs> I have no issues with it. I just I need neither nor. Uh, how about this question then? <clears throat> would uh, would you be pro uh, legalization on a federal level? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. With yeah, that question. question. All right. Hemp is also. I don't know if it's the same thing. Hemp is useful. Yeah, industrial hemp, super useful. I do think it is related somehow. I think it's like the shaft of the cannabis. Yeah, it's plant not the or flower or something. Yeah. They said also look into like... in your free time hemp paper and what the paper, the newspaper industry did to suppress that back in the day. Yeah, and I, I do know um speaking of hemp, Woody Harrelson is a huge hemp advocate and he's been arrested many a time for um this is before they uh, legalize industrial hemp production, but he, he was a huge um, advocate for that for a long time and got arrested and a whole bunch of other stuff. So thanks for doing Remember. the uh, God's work, Woody Harrelson. Remember yeah, I think everyone, there's a Netflix special or documentary or something. Everyone had the hemp necklaces in high school. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Next one, seaweed salad like you would get at a sushi place. Buy, buy as much as you can. The best. Chris, didn't you have a friend that bought it in the jug? Massive... Yeah, he yeah. bought like a five gallon jug of it. And he would just eat it. <laughs> Delicious. I um... love it. I love it. I'm not sure I've ever had a seaweed salad. You what? should. I I highly recommend everyone try it. It's not for everyone, but it's a weird. It's probably the most unique or one of the most unique dichotomies of like texture so it's like cold and crunchy but it's also like umami and salty it's it's this weird experience i don't know how to describe it i like dry my favorite, one of my like favorite parts of getting chips. sushi yeah yeah all know. right buy or sell chia pet chia pet John. i'm buying those sell so, i've had, had a chia one. pet they're not it's not like the commercial makes it out to be. So, why? What chia? What chia did you have? What was the head? I shape? had one year for Christmas. Dad, I asked for a chia pet. Dad got me a Homer Simpson head chia pet, and you mix. You think it's just oh, this is going to grow like the Dickens. You mix the seeds in like this goo, and then you spread it. There's ridges on the clay pot, and then you fill the pot with water. It doesn't grow evenly. So basically, I had a Homer Simpson head with half chia growing and half non-chia growing 
smelled bad. I just don't care for it. I think you've probably fucked up the chia pet. Probably. Rotate also, it. chia Rotate seeds in the suck sun. as a no. superfood. Garbage. Nope. You put it in a little bit of oat milk, say, or almond milk overnight. Turn it into chia seed pudding. Very gross. easy breakfast. Absolutely Add some gross. fruit into it. People have jumped the shark on things like that. There are some things that are good and beneficial. Now they're just taking any ancient grain and making you eat it, even though they taste like garbage. I'm out. All right. How about uh, cilantro? Another polarizing thing. You buying or selling cilantro? John? I'm buying cilantro. I'm buying. Easy. I don't really. Yeah. Easy. Like you think that you need to pluck all the leaves off, but really the tender stems just cut it and you're good to go. I don't particularly like cilantro, but you need it when you're eating Mexican food. Particularly. Yeah. So that's the only application. It's only when I'm eating tacos or salsa or guacamole or something. So outside yeah, of that, I, was, I could care less. I was a big seller on cilantro. Uh, Rachel was a huge buyer, and so I've become a buyer. I like it. I throw it uh, in some soups. I throw it on some Mexican. I, you know, sometimes I just eat it straight up. Oh, her tortilla soup, a little cilantro. Oh. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I don't actually eat it straight up. All right. Now that brings us to our last category, flowers, and we're going to go rapid fire segment here. So roses, you buying or selling so, roses? Sell. Sunflowers. Buy. Big buy. Buy for the sunflower seeds. Dandelions. So, mm, are those the ones you can blow the things off of? They start yeah. yellow, yeah, and then they turn into yeah. those. I'm buying those. Those are always fun. Especially uh, when someone's about to blow it and you shove it in their mouth. <laughs> Big buy on that. <laughs> Big buy on those. How about Valentine's Day flowers? Isn't that just roses? Well, like buying them for like oh, the, yeah, whole, the whole concept of... Uh, yeah, I'd buy those. It's the point of the day. Day. Buy them. All right, and then how about the, the, of the day? Yeah, it is basically the edible buttercup from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Do you remember when he's like it's a yellow buttercup and he pulls it off and he drinks it and then eats it? Yes, vaguely. I'm gonna buy that. I'm selling that. That sounds like drugs. <laughs> <laughs> basically, that whole movie when they go down the tunnel and yeah. there's like acid trip. But I'm buying right. that. And that wraps up our buy or sell botany edition. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah. Mix it up a little bit. So um, getting back to the episode, uh, the turtles emerge from the greenhouse. They have the gazai plant in hand. They're wearing their uh, guarding disguise and they're heading back towards the turtle blimp. So there's some cheesy jokes. I've noticed this, this episode for sure. There's a lot of banter. Like Donatello has a lot of um, uh, airtime with, with some of his banter. But uh, so they leave. They're heading to the turtle blimp. And wouldn't you know it, Baxter spots them again. So Baxter calls at that moment Shredder, who is back with Bebop and Rocksteady testing the knucklehead. Um, so he calls via the comm link. And... Um, Baxter does not know where he is. So again, disoriented from the cross mutation, CTE, whatever it is, he doesn't know where he is. He just knows he's by the turtle. So what Shredder says is, don't worry about it. 
we can track your comp sync signal. So stay where you are. We'll come find you. And then uh, Baxter hangs up. He starts to fire at the turtles with his laser gun and he corrals them towards the park exit. So everything is kind of pushing them towards the park exit. Um, and right before they're able to leave the park and hop into the blimp, they're cut off by a blue cheese van, which I thought was quite uh, quite the random graphic there, but it's a giant blue a van. Blue, with, blue van. Blue cheese. cheese van. Oh, is it I a just blue, got blue that. cheese? I just oh. got that when you said it. It also holds with the fact that remember in the episode where they were in the cheese packaging plant and he was going to crush splinter. It's kind of like a a thread coming through. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's uh, the hideout that he's still using. Um, But so this cheese blue cheese van rolls in, we get some theme music playing and shredder emerges from the van sliding door. So here again, he, uh, he shouts out something about them being amphibians, which is, Again, incorrect. Um, he fires. He's so he's holding this two-handed, kind of looks like an old school camera. You know those uh, way back in the day, nineteen thirties, twenties. They had those big, like two-handed camera things. Kind of looks like that, but it's it, it's a laser of some sort. So he shoots it and scatters the turtles before revealing that he was in fact the one who poisoned April to lure the turtles to the greenhouse so that he could try to destroy them. So John apparently missed this whole uh, dialogue yeah, exchange right here. definitely did. <laughs> the gun, such a lame gun. Like Shredder <clears throat> gets a cool streak going, and then he does something like this where he just looks super lame when he's trying to fight. I agree. I thought it was super cheesy. Um, but what we... Uh, so in, in kind of this scuffle here, uh, it's not quite clear where Donatello is, but we do know he's not with the other three turtles that are getting shot at by splinter. And a few seconds later, um, we see Donatello. He is lingering behind the turtles and he uses bow staff to pull vault into shredders chest. So Donnie with a strong, strong, uh, defensive move there Pretty good move to, uh, to counter that shredder releases the knucklehead and it immediately wraps up Donnie. So, Donnie goes from hero to zero real fast. Um, and in that, uh, Raph, Mikey, and Leo, they realize they have to save Donnie because um, he's he's in a bad predicament. And as they pursue Donnie, they are greeted by a trigger-happy Bebop and Rocksteady. So in that um, Bebop and Rocksteady, they're firing their laser guns. Uh, Leo uses katana, so the katanas come back. He's got both. He deflects the laser shots directly into the knucklehead, uh, imploding it, destroying it almost immediately. Like it, it, it's only existed for a few minutes, wrapping up Donatello, and it's now destroyed, and Donatello is free. I was pretty impressed with Leo in that moment being able to deflect the lasers. Yeah, a little disappointed too. There was a lot of buildup for that knucklehead and then instant defeat. Yeah, really quick to come and go. So the turtles, um, since they've just defeated Shredder and company, they take off in the blimp. So they get airborne, um, leave Shredder behind, and they're intercepted by the fly who shoots at them and um, and hits, I think it's like a detachment lever. So the glider, he, uh, you know, Baxter as the fly shoots and, and essentially detaches the glider from the blimp and sends the turtles excuse me, crashing toward 
the earth and specifically they're they they land by this famous landmark and i don't know if it's a street or if it's a square but it's the architecture there is very famous because the turtles don't want to risk biting there and trashing it um because what happens when they land shredder and the cheese van pull up right in front of them so there's there's like the standoff the turtles decide they don't want to fight so instead they scale a building and climb up a spire and then leap from the spire into dangling ropes from the blimp which is a whole lot happening um yeah the very, one very the one quickly. thing i didn't i didn't really get is they've detached the glider from the blimp before and have been able to easily control it but this time when they got detached it, it was out of control and they crash landed i think Baxter yeah. shot out the thrusters so, something happened because I'm with you, Chris. In the past, they've detached, and I don't know if it's because they're cruising and they just like glide it to where they want to. And this was more stationary because they just came up and they got shot at. But regardless, they don't have control. They crash. They're back in front of Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady, um, and they do not want to fight. Yeah, and then also when they climb the building, I'm assuming they put their little turtle climber things back on because that we saw a few episodes ago. But they just started like free scaling the building. Yeah sticky yeah. fingers and convenient there's just ropes hanging from the blimp so nobody really thought this through because there's no way to propel the blimp they're just on it and floating and just letting the air take them because they don't have the glider which in my mind controls all the propulsion mechanism yeah. um so but with that uh leo again big leader this episode but he kicks open the air release valve to propel the blimp toward home and he's holding the gazai plant in his arms. But what happens is as he kicks that air release valve open, it shoots the blimp forward and the gazai plant is jolted from his hands and falls toward the ground. So it's free falling. The fly intercepts it and returns the plant to Shredder. And here is where we get a classic fart joke where the Leo kicked open the valve. Mikey exclaims, Man, what's what's that weird noise that's that's being created? And Leo says, he says, it's the we're running out of gas naturally. Saying, hey, it kind of sounds like a fart. We're running out of gas. Cute laugh from John. I don't think that's a, is that a fart yeah. joke. I don't think that's a fart yeah, joke. It, just, it, absolutely it, was, into it absolutely was. We're running out of gas. He's like, oh, what's that? What's that like weird noise? Oh, we're running out of gas naturally. Why else? Wait, gas? What are you talking about? It's a fart joke. <laughs> Just not. There's no punchline. Whatever. Yeah. Either way, the blimp, the blimp deflates and um, Donnie reveals the next turtle tech, which is the turtle trooper shoot pack. Or in other words, a parachute. So were parachutes in existence at the time of the episode air date? Yes. Ob yeah. Obviously, yes. Obviously. What year was the parachute invented? This is like Da Vinci. That's exactly what I was thinking. John doesn't know when he was alive, though, does he? I will add a caveat. So you're not incorrect there, but I'll say the modern parachute. So like the um, okay. modern parachute is, is what I looked up. So da Vinci was like the 1400s, John. Yeah, reference. it's past. Yeah, it's past Da Vinci. 
whole different century. I'm going to say... Seventeen oh eight. Why? John, I'll explain you, after you pick yeah, you yours. Pick a date, John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go. Um, eighteen twenty-six. John is closer. So the modern parachute was invented in 1783. I was going to go later. By Louis-Sebastien Lenomand in France. Yeah, I was thinking, I was trying to remember back to when I did the one on blimps because hot air balloons. My thought was trying to get out of a hot air balloon was probably when they started. That is, yeah. So so it was invented in 83 and then two years later in 85, Jean-Pierre Blanchard demonstrated as a means to safely disembark from a hot air balloon. I fucking knew it. I just couldn't remember the dates. Yeah. Nice. Um, so they, uh, they use the, uh, turtle trooper shoot packs to, um, jump from the blimp and the collapsing blimp, uh, they head towards the ground and ultimately return to the lair or that's, that's their goal, to return to the lair to deliver the unfortunate news to Splinter. So as usual, updating Splinter, they go back, they tell him, you know, essentially we had it, we lost it, but Splinter's good vibes only. So he mo- motivates the turtles with a good old never give up. And at that exact second, exact moment, Shredder patches into the turtle comp frequency to offer the turtles the gazai plant in exchange for winning a ninja style fight to the death 4v4 4v4 rather um <laughs> so it's going to be the four turtles so leonardo rafael Dantel, michelangelo versus shredder the fly bebop and rocksteady so no winner weapons. take all fair fight yeah fair fight but the turtles know it won't be a fair fight so leo cooks up a plan um to even the playing field before they leave to rendezvous with shredder and company at the junkyard the whole just to take a step back them just dropping the plant and being like well nothing we can do i guess april has to die is was funny to me they just they know her life is on the line and just by simply dropping the plant there well we've done all we can do guess we have to go tell splinter she's about to die on the table that part made me laugh hmm so what we have here, um, the turtles are heading uh, from the lair to the junkyard to meet with Shredder. And when they arrive, the turtles are immediately distracted by Shredder. He's, he's doing some like smoke and mirror things. But basically what happens is um, their ambush are flanked by Bebop and Rocksteady. And They're opening up fucking lasers on yeah. the turtles. Like, yeah all hell is raining down upon the turtles with these lasers. Yeah, which was funny because going into the fight right before they left the sewer, Donnie was so eager to get out there. He was shadow boxing, basically, like ready to get at him, which of all the turtles, to me, he's the most mild-mannered. Yeah, I agree. So there's a heavy fire that ensues. It causes the turtles to retreat. And Raphael is... I think he's talking to Donnie, but he says he feels like they're intentionally being herded toward a trap. 
and they are because what we saw at the opening of the scene is shredder baxter who is the fly um, bebop and rocksteady installing our final turtle tech of the episode which is the molecular structure shifter so the molecular structure shifter permanently shifts a subject's phase forward one microsecond from the rest of the world. So to wrap up our turtle tech segment, did or does the molecular structure shifter technology exist at the time of the air date? No, it's time right. travel. Doesn't exist. Does it? <laughs> no. No, it, no, no, it, no, it doesn't. But what I will say is uh, I, this is where I spent the most time because there's a, there's a unique article that talks about uh, understanding of Einstein's theories of relativity. So I'm going to, I'm going to nerd out here for a brief second, um, just to kind of set up something I thought was interesting. So basically Einstein proposed that the measured interval between two events depends on how the observer is moving. So there's this, um, twin paradox. That's the easiest way to describe it. So suppose Sally and Sam are twins. Sally boards a rocket ship and travels at a high speed to a nearby star, turns around and flies back to earth while Sam stays at home. For Sally, the duration of the journey, let's say is one year. But when she returns home and steps out of the spaceship, she finds 10 years have elapsed on earth. Her brother is now nine years older than she is. So that's, um, uh, interstellar is a movie. Awesome movie. I highly recommend it, but that's one that walks through this exact same paradox here where the also father... the Buzz Lightyear movie for those of us that have watched it. Yeah. Buzz Lightyear as well. Yeah, that's correct. Lightyear. Um, but yeah, the whole idea is, you know, time is relative is really what it boils down to. So, uh, with the phenomenon known as jet lag or also known as uh, time dilation, uh, this occurs when two observers move, uh, relative to each other. So in daily life, we don't necessarily notice these weird time warps, but uh, the effect becomes dramatic when the motion occurs at close to the speed of light. So when you're flying, you're not even close to the speed of light, but you're closer than if you were just standing on Earth. So what happens is at aircraft speeds, you have this time dilation, uh, which amounts to just a few nanoseconds because you're traveling at a faster speed than people on the Earth. And there's actually, apparently... Um, some way to measure this with atoms like neurons or, or something like that. I can't remember exactly how it works, but basically when we fly, we travel a few nanoseconds into the future. That is um, actually really cool. Yeah. So it's kind of cool from a theoretical standpoint, obviously in this instance, Baxter specifically says that the, uh, molecular structure shifter will permanently shift them a few microseconds which is more. So we can't do microseconds jet. And maybe like when you're actually on a rocket ship is probably the, the longest, um, that you'll have this time dilation effect, but it truly isn't time travel yet. Now, if we could go fast enough, you could be pushed, uh, into the future. But again, it's, it's all relative, you know, to the spaceship, to earth, that sort of thing. So the part I didn't really get was essentially their conclusion is if we can do this to the turtles, they'll die. Or like they'll cease to exist. That part I didn't 
understand. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they never say that they'll cease to exist. It's just they they talk about essentially like being out of phase. So if they're in the future, they can't stop what's happening in the present, I think is the way that th this is playing out. Maybe I, I don't know. Uh, it's not it's not quite clear. But we do know that they that they are setting that molecular structure shifter up in a specific location to try to get the turtles to, um, you know, to enter that or to, um, you know, be engaged by that. I mean, the fact that Baxter came up with this is wild. What an invention. Quite the invention. And, um, and a whole lot has happened in this episode. So just to recap to where we are right now. So we're in the junkyard. Shredder had poisoned April using a rare plant to lure the turtles to a greenhouse for an antidote so that he... Um, uh, cro a cross-mutated Baxter Stockman fly, Bebop and Rocksteady could destroy them. So that's kind of the whole plot behind this episode. The turtles escape with a gazai plant only to lose it in a crossfire battle with Shredder. Shredder offers that gazai plant back to the winning team in a fight to the death style match. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of where we're at. So we're in the junkyard. Turtles are being herded. So during that battle, um, Bebop and Rocksteady heavy fire is pushing the turtles towards the molecular structure shifter. Just before they reach the trap, we get more theme music, which means only one thing that Splinter is blasting through the junkyard in the turtle van. Um, he disarms Bebop and Rocksteady with, with the turtle van lasers. So again, he's just, everyone's shooting. This episode has been phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Which and when he have, came rolling in, it was like a stand up and cheer moment for me. Yeah, it felt like in the Avengers when all they all come through the portal, like Splinter just fucking busted in the turtle van was awesome. Yeah, first appearance driving the turtle van. He's been in it before, but April's been driving. Um, so old man leaves leaves a lair, which we haven't seen in a while either, and uh, is yeah just flying around in the turtle van. So he disarms Bebop and Rocksteady. Um, then he shoots at Shredder and knocks the gazai plant loose. So it goes into the air. And then Raph takes a page out of Leo's book and does a nice uh, sliding finish catch the plant moment. Um, and then Shredder's pissed off. So Shredder commands the fly to retrieve the gazai plant from Raph. But instead, Baxter overshoots Raphael and goes right into the molecular structure shifter. So the thing that he had just finished installing is ultimately his demise. So Baxter, as the fly, is in the future. Yeah, and when Baxter gets phased out, Shredder's only response is, oh, blast. Oh, blast. And then he's like, fuck, we got to get out of here. Which yeah, retreat, like, retreat. Yeah, like you're not best friend, but like you're, you know, closest ally just basically got disintegrated and all you can say is oh blast yeah <laughs> rough it's been a rough 24 hours for Baxter just going through portals getting mutated just not ideal yeah not yeah. ideal so Shredder Bebop and Rock say they, they retreat um, Splinter um, I think this is a scene where he blushes because, because Leo, does Leo say something like, you know, Master, I thought you always preached um, 
uh, what, what was it? Nonviolence. Nonviolence. So we get a blushing splinter, um, which I'm going to screen grab that and, and definitely use that as a uh, social media post at some point. Uh, but then we're back in the lair. Splinter prepares the antidote. He adds it to a potion and then administers it to April, who is immediately cured and wakes up to a strange odor. A fart. Brain. Fart joke, Joe? So it's not another Doku plant, uh, but in fact, Michelangelo's latest pizza creation. And what was that pizza, John? It was anchovies smothered in gazai leaves. Yes. So anchovy, well, this will be the fourth time that anchovy has been on the wheel. Um, so we've got three active with the inclusion of this one. John has already eaten one anchovy. Um, since gazai leaves uh, and gazai plant does not exist, I just went with mint for the image, but uh, I guess I could leave it up to whoever gets that to actually choose which edible leaf we want on the pizza. The devil's that will lettuce, be, perhaps. That will be added to the wheel. Um, and then we end the scene and scene with more cheesy jokes. I think there's a few, few cheesy jokes exchanged. So long episode, this one. Whole lot going on. Um, but what'd you guys think overall? This is my favorite episode so far. Each episode is becoming my favorite. But I like this one a lot. Yeah, this one's good. Yeah, this is a good one. I, I personally like the pizza monsters. But yeah, this was... I'm glad that Buell and Rocksteady are back in action. Krang is looking like a fool. Baxter turns into a villain even more so with you know powers. So, big, good episode. Yeah, I'd say the, the pizza monster episode was more action-packed. But this episode was had a lot... Of funny moments that I liked. Yeah, and variety, I think, too. Um, so at this point, we'll move into the villain power ranking. This episode, we have um, one new villain, I would say, which would be, let's call it the knucklehead. Yeah, so no. we're, yeah, I'm assuming Baxter stays. Baxter's now the fly, so he's still his own ranking. Yeah, so what I did... Yeah, correct. So I updated Baxter, uh, Baxter Stockman, to be Baxter Stockman slash the fly, just like we have Shredder slash Oroku Saki. Um, and as we normally do, I will share my screen, and then we will uh, determine for any of our existing villains if they need to move up or down. And I'll also recap the list for the listeners so that they know exactly what we're working with here I got, I got my screen up Andrew oh perfect John thanks so uh current villain power ranking Baxter Stockman number one Shredder number two Krang number three the mutant plant number four I have Zarnoth monsters number five pizza monsters number six General Dragon Granitor seven Roadkill Rodney's eight Mauser's nine Omnis ten Bebop and Rocksteady eleven Punks twelve Crooked Ninja Turtle Gang 13 foot soldiers 14 so that's a current ranking is there so, yeah i think first any movement on our yep. current ranking? yeah so does anyone need to shift around and really i think for action we have bebop and rock study we've got crane shredder and baxter are really the only major players i think in this episode can i make one more it's a little unorthodox, but I think General Trag and Granitor 
should be considered because they're oh yeah the rock the, soldiers the stone soldiers were in and they technically command all the stone soldiers yeah. so i think they should okay i was gonna say be plummeted down the list so, yeah so i think bebop and rock study go up that's the easiest one for me um not a whole lot but they did shoot baxter down in cold blood um mm -hmm. so i think that is a plus for them so i'd maybe move them above all of the robots just because yeah it's been a little inactive on yeah. the robot side yeah um now the question is so they just leapfrogged Omnis, Mousers, and Roadkill Rodneys, and they're sitting right behind General Trag and Granitor. So do we think they go above them or stay where they're at? I think above, because Trag, Trag and Granitor just took a hit. Yeah. Okay. And then what about um, Krang, Shredder, and Baxter? I still think Baxter is number one in my mind. Um. Yeah, I mean, Shredder didn't really do. I mean, Shredder had a good plan. He had a good plan, but um, I mean, that's only part of it. Like execution is the other piece. Yeah. So Crane, Crane screwed up this episode, but not enough, I think, to move him below the mutant plant. I agree. Yeah, um, I think I think I would keep Baxter, Shredder, Crane in that order, probably. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So then, where do we want to slot the knucklehead? This thing was pretty bad. Pretty, pretty poor yeah, showing. Suck balls. I would say under the punks is what I was thinking. I think, I mean, I might even put him below the Crooked Ninja Turtle King. The only thing he did get Donnie. He did get Donnie. So, and the Crooked Ninja Turtles never captured the turtles. So, I would I would agree. I would put him below or the maybe punks. Maybe above the punks and under on this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because the punks, yep. Punks the punks, too. They just destroyed a card, basically. Yeah. Okay. So um with that said, new new order. Everything stays the same through the pizza monster. So one, two, three, four, five, six, one through six remain intact. Seven becomes Bebop and Rocksteady, eight is General Dragon Granitor. Um, everyone else gets pushed down. So then we have Roadkill, Mauser's Omnis. The knucklehead gets slotted in. And then Punk's Crick and Ninja Turtle Gang and Foot Soldiers round out our villain power ranking. Very nice. Very nice. I like that. Also, I meant to say this earlier. Knucklehead is a bad name for that yeah. machine. It has nothing to do with it. But well, he, he named it after yep. Bebop. I know. I get it, but still. All right. So that takes us to Turtleisms. Cowabunga! John's favorite segment. Yeah, John, can you list off what you had, please? I first. Yeah, actually, I did write down a couple. Hold on. Perfect. I got one from Raphael calls it Tin Head or Can Head. Tin Skin. Splinter. And Shred Head. Yep. yep. Can Head was in there, too. Keep up and rock yeah. steady, say shell, Shellbacks. They call the turtle Shellbacks. Ooh, I missed that one. Nice. Sounds a little racist, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I think Donnie says let's haul show at some point. He had a turtle power. Yeah. Uh, Mikey said let's haul show, but it was in there. Yep. And then yep. that's that's what I had. There's more, but I ran out of. Right. I had. I'll go through mine. I had Canhead by Raf. Boogie. Mike said. Mikey says Boogie at one point. Mondo so hungry. Mondo hungry by Mikey. Let's haul show by Mikey. Mondo confused by Mikey. Primo notion. Uh, let's rock dudes. Raph said Shredhead. Um, Donnie said Turtle Power. 
Mikey gave us a cowbunga in exact mundo, and then Raph had another tin skin one. Yeah, and the only other one I had, Mikey threw in a dirty rat, um, which oh, has come yeah, up a few times. He did. <laughs> awesome. So quite a few turtleisms. Uh, now we're gonna go to a new segment. So we've teased this one for a little while. This is our Twitter poll. And uh, Chris, why don't you explain to the listeners how this segment works? Yeah, so the the way the segment works moving forward, um, following the release of each episode, typically on Wednesdays, we will tweet out a poll from that episode's segments. So last week, if you remember, we did best worst chores. So we had a little graphic. We listed everybody's picks. And we will let the fans decide who won that segment via a Twitter poll. So last week, uh, Best Worst Chores, we had John win the poll with 50% of the vote. Uh, He had Best Chore as Grocery Shopping, Worst Chore as Raking Leaves. And Andrew the Loser, who will now be punished with spinning the pizza wheel, had only 17% of the vote. Yeah, I think his, it was only my vote too. Like I'm the only one that voted for me. <laughs> yeah. So his his best worst, uh he had best chore mowing the lawn, worst chore uh folding laundry. Yeah. So I moving think... forward, the results of this poll, whoever finishes last will be punished with spinning the pizza wheel at the end of the episode. Yeah. I think what got me is the folding laundry. I think some people don't see that as bad as uh either cleaning the bathroom or raking the leaves. Yeah. But I'm, I was very surprised Chris scored above me. I thought Dustin. John was going to lose, to be honest. Yeah, but John stacked the votes. Yeah. A couple John burner voted. accounts out there voting in John's favor because <laughs> yeah. he was behind to start and then he leapt into the lead suspiciously overnight. Yeah. Voted? No. You no. can only see the total votes. Six, re- six votes. Voted. Yeah. So we definitely want to up that. So, th- so um, good start. <laughs> But we we'd like to to increase, so we'll try to get more traction interaction yeah. um, with that. Half but this will are, you're looking at them. Yeah. So this will be um this will be weekly. So we'll do what? maybe a little recap of uh I don't know. Can we put a caveat in? Yeah. We cannot vote for ourselves. We all, all voted right. for ourselves. Honestly, I think a little gamesmanship would be. Yeah. We have to vote for one of the other two. All right. Okay. That's fair. How are we going to prove that? That's fair. Just Honestly. honor system, John. Okay. Okay. And uh, yeah, I'll save I our to, question. I might have to hold my vote till the end. Of... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to sweat. Yeah. To see which one. Well, we will have a well. We will have a themed question. I'm saving it for the end of this episode. So we'll we'll have one for this week. Um, but uh, to Chris's point, that brings us to pizza time and the pizza wheel. So as the loser, I am spinning the wheel. We have a few additions this week to the pizza time wheel. The first is, um, and I'll change this graphic after, but I had, you can see here, this was my margarita, little mozzarella with uh, some basil. So I will change that to sauce only um, after this. And then the other one we had was anchovy and gazai leaf or in this case anchovy and mint but there's 17 i'm not going to go through them all there are 17 options on this wheel lots of anchovies uh you know some meat there's peanut butter and jelly banana sausage there's still some 
some wild ones. Um, but what we will do here is spin the wheel. Chris, which one would be your least favorite? Just looking at the wheel right now. Um, least favorite. I hate mint, so probably the Gazai Leaf one. John, what about you? Um, I still, I, I still hold true with banana or sashimi. Sashimi, that's your least favorite. I think, yeah. I just, I don't know. I just wouldn't want it. All right, I'm gonna do a little shuffle. I'm gonna do two shuffles. My least favorite is definitely gonna be peanut butter and jelly. I just think that will be too sticky, too sweet, too overpowering. Um, but I'm ready to spin. So here we go. That's music. sausage all right that's oh, like an original that's been on there <laughs> yeah. forever it's been on there for a long time season one episode one all right well that should be that should be enjoyable so i will be eating that it's interesting you had a sliced banana but a non-sliced sausage yeah it was just what i could find what i could find via google so that wraps up the um pizza time so we'll head to uh to send off so that uh, that concludes season two episode seven entitled enter the fly john anything that you would like to plug before we sign off um yes i would want to plug actually last episode at the end i had teased a question that i had for you all that i forgot to ask at the beginning of the show so i'm gonna for all the listeners that have stayed this long a little extra a little extra here so Here's the question, and I, I'm not going to take credit for creating this because I saw it on another media platform, but I can't remember what it was. So what sport would be the funniest to watch if you had all of the athletes needing to make a minimum amount of alcohol consumption beforehand? So that they would drink before they would compete? Yeah. What would what be, the funniest? be the funniest? Yeah. I'll start here. Sport. If you want, I'll start. Okay. I would say gymnastics. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> because, good. Because of the balance, like the, uh, yeah, poor balance on the balance beam. I had darts or bowling were the two that came to mind for me. Darts would be a little dangerous. Bowling, I think, would be funny. I know, but I feel like I only ever play darts or bowl while I'm drinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's actually a good point. <laughs> I'm gonna, my answer is going to be NASCAR. Oh yeah. Yeah, that would be deadly. <laughs> it would be entertaining. Yeah, that would be NASCAR. So that's what I had for, for us. I'll I'll try to incorporate some more questions that I come up with um end of episodes. But yeah, I thought it was funny. Chris, how about uh, how about you? Anything you want to mention, plug? Um, nothing to plug, but I'm looking forward now that Baxter's theoretically in the future. I'm hoping we get um what's the robo? Lockjaw, whatever his name is. What's the robotic turtle's name in the game? Oh, Metalhead. Metalhead. Yeah, I'm yep. hoping this leads to a Metalhead episode or something mm-hmm. in the future would be nice. Very good. Well, um, from my side, I do want to say this week uh, is the Target Con slash Holothon 2.0. So for any TMNT action figure hunters, this is uh, your week to go out and get the latest releases. So I did just send you guys a link 
to what is being released this week. I don't know if you have a, um, you know, horse in the race of what you would buy if you were out there looking at some of these TMNT Holothon releases. I'll start with mine as you guys look at yours. Yeah, I'll start with mine. Uh, I'm a huge proponent for the TMNT animated series accessory set. So um, this one, I guess these are, these are live links to Target, so I don't know if they're actually going to be live here. But if you Google it, um, it comes with a whole lot of stuff, but probably the most interesting, you know, the, the mini turtles. So at some point, turtles get, um, uh, they don't just get shrunk, but they get like reverted to their, their childhood self. So you get those. Um, the other thing you get too is the TV from the living room. So it's pretty cool. Um, what else do we got here? There's a. Uh, I, I see this link. Do they call Bebop Mark City Mighty Hog and Rhino Man? Uh, those were. Yeah, so that's a release when they're superheroes. So they actually are um, dressed up as Rhino Man. Oh, yeah. And Mighty Hog. Um, I'll just run through all the releases here. So we've got uh, TMNT Ronin Ultimate Red and Black. We've got the animated series Mona Lisa and Dirk Savage. So that's a cartoon. We've got the cartoon Rex One. Rex One's pretty cool. He's a robotic police officer. We've got the cartoon Lotus and Chaka Hitachi. Uh, we've got Rhino Man and Mighty Hog, as John mentioned. We've got Usagi Yojimbo in black and white. The accessory pack, we have Jersey Red and Grunt. So we've got two more of the punks that are coming out. Some Mirage comic ones. Um, what else is notable here? And yeah. Few, few other universal monsters, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it's about, mine, about a dozen that are dropping. Looking at the list, the Man Ray one looks pretty sweet to me. Yeah, Man Ray. Which I thought was just a SpongeBob character. I didn't realize it was a TMNT character. But then when you follow the link, he's part of the Mutanimals. And these are some of the cooler characters from the show that I remember from the video game. Yeah. John, what about you? What are you thinking? I, I think, yeah, I think I like kind of like Rhino Man and... Or Mighty Hog and Rhino Man has like the superhero. Just looking at some of the pictures, they seem. I love a good cape. Yeah. Cool. Well, good luck to everyone on that. Just to <laughs> add, I should hopefully have um, a show and tell for next episode. I I told you guys what I ordered. I'm just waiting for it to get delivered. So hopefully, it's here next week in time for the uh, show. What about the merch? Uh, still working on it. When your TikTok's will, ready, we'll put the merch on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my TikTok will be ready when I have some merch. No, the uh, the one thing I did <laughs> I did I did forget to add. I watched um, Batman vs TMNT the movie, which I didn't, I didn't even know, know that was a movie. In. When did that yeah, come out? Twenty nineteen. So, what? yeah, okay. it's uh, I learned about it recently. It's probably the most comic centric adaptation because there are deaths in that movie it's a cartoon so i do recommend it if you want a little you know if, especially if you're watching the 87 you want a little bit on the other end of the spectrum not comedy but more action um check it out not my favorite i would probably slot it behind 07 
you know, I, I like the nineties movie. I like the 07 was my number two and that's probably my number three, but, uh, we're checking out. So awesome. Well, with that said, Calabunga, everyone see you next week. Adios. See you.